Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. While many of us are far too busy to be paying attention to every single detail of global events, we would do well to put at least a little effort in. As Pastor J.D. explains in his message today, the dense cluster of recent global events should be enough to sound the alarm for what the Bible describes as watchers on the wall. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on July 17, 2022. There's a prophecy when the judgments come, the wrath of God. God destroys those who destroyed the earth. They're destroying the earth! And God's going to destroy them. But see, the book of Revelation is a book about Again, I know deeply profound, it's a book about revelation, revealing a revelation of future events. That's what the book of Revelation is. When you get to chapter 4, verse 1, John is told to write, write these things that will take place after. Everything from chapter 4, verse 1 is yet future. And the book of Revelation, the only book in the entire Bible, of all 66 books, the only book that promises a blessing to those who read it, hear it, and take it to heart. And it's the only book Christians don't read. Oh, it's too hard to understand. It's too much metaphor and imagery. And no. There's a lot of specificity. Now please know that this was an abbreviated list that I painted on the prophetic canvas with a broad brush, and I did so in order to get to the point. What's the point? Here's the point. Not only was all of this foretold in Bible prophecy, the swiftness with which it's beginning to come to pass is absolutely staggering. I had an interest in Bible prophecy back in the early 80s, right after I came to Christ. Started teaching it not there long after. I've always had a love for Bible prophecy. And here we are all these years later, some 40 years later, and, and I, as is my privilege to every week, I'm standing before you telling you things that, again, even five years ago, 
I would have been hard-pressed to point out as being as urgent as it is now. I mean, I can talk about and teach Bible prophecy and teach about the end times and teach about the last days, but now it's like, (sighs) I'm speechless. That's a miracle unto itself. I don't have any words. Can I pose a question in light of all this? If it's only been within the time span of about two years that we've seen so much, so fast, and here's the question, how much time do we actually have left? And and don't think about it in terms, and this is what I mean by the way, when I use phrases like unstoppable momentum, (laughs) the speed, the the swiftness, maybe I can illustrate it this way. Can you imagine that ever-growing snowball effect and ever-speeding-up snowball just stopping? I can't. That's what I mean by unstoppable momentum. And the faster it goes, the faster it goes. So in other words, yes, everything that happens, so much happens so fast in the last two years, but it's speeding up. So it it doesn't stand to reason that it's going to continue at the same speed. No, it's faster. Faster. And if you really think about it, it has to be. So what are you saying? Well, (laughs) I think we have no time left. That's what I'm saying. I'm becoming increasingly convinced that the rapture could happen at any time by virtue of the fact that so much has happened within such a short period of time. Uh, Pastor, are you going to set a date? No. The date's already been set. I don't have to set it. (laughs) I mean, well, I think we've sadly, and I think we do err greatly when we throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater, which you got to wonder how they came up with a metaphor like that. Did they really do that? Let me explain. No, we don't set dates. The date's already been set. But let's not throw the baby of being ignorant of Bible prophecy and that date fast approaching out with the bathwater of the date setters who have done great damage. Sadly. I mean, replete throughout Scripture, I could take you through a number of them. You already know them. But replete throughout Scripture, we're admonished not to be ignorant about these things. I don't want you to be ignorant about Bible prophecy. 
You need to know. You need to be ready. You need to be watching. Many of the parables that Jesus taught, that was the point of the parable, the lesson of the parable, the takeaway from the parable. Don't be ignorant. How many times did the Apostle Paul, quite bluntly I might add, (laughs) say, I don't want you to be... This is a very loose paraphrase. Stop being so ignorant concerning this. Why would he say that if they weren't ignorant concerning Bible prophecy? And what do we see today in the body of Christ? I mean, I shouldn't have even done that or gone there, but you, you talk Bible prophecy, you would think. I mean, they unfriend you, they block you. Right? Can I get a witness here? Oh, you're one of those. You better believe I'm one of those. Okay, let me see if I can bring this in. I want to humbly appeal to your God-given ability to reason and think through one more question with me. Wouldn't it stand to reason that the prophetic snowball now careening downhill, growing as large as it has, as fast as it has, is about to reach its end? I truly believe with all of my heart that it's not only about to reach its end, it's actually already at its end. I hope you know that it's not hyperbole when I say that the rapture is imminent. The rapture is imminent. I think about what Jesus said. Behold, I come in an hour you expect not. It's going to be so sudden. When I say this, and the Lord knows my heart, I really, truly, with all of my heart, believe this. The rapture could happen preferably before second service. It would be great, but... <laughs> or not. <laughs> before next month's bills come due. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I say it humorously, but seriously, the rapture could happen today. Today. We're there. We're there. And one last thing, and again, please share my heart on this. I, I don't mean to be mean when I say this, but I'm having a terribly difficult time with people who talk like we're going to be here for a long time. I I really, personally, as a Christian, I've already, I mean, I'm like, (laughs) you're not going to have to pull the plug on the life support machine. That plug is going to get pulled for you instead of you any time now. I just have a hard time when I hear pastors 
talk about, you know, the, what kind of a world are we going to leave for our generation? The next generation, I'm thinking, well, I don't know what kind of world you're going to leave for the next generation, but I'm going to leave this world, because we're the final generation. Okay, thank you for your patience again. You know, this is why we do this, right? This is why we do prophecy updates, because of how close we are to the end, and that we are at the end. And this is why we end (laughs) with the gospel, the good news of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ, and a childlike explanation of salvation by way of the ABCs of salvation. What's the A? The A. And again, I need to preface this. This is not a formula. Please don't make this the only way. It's just a simple way. It's a template. It's a tool to equip you. But the A is for admit or acknowledge. This is how I came to Christ. I I came to the place where I realized I need Jesus. (laughs) I need a Savior. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Because Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when I realized that I had sinned against God, that I had transgressed and broken His law, His perfect standard of righteousness, I realized I needed a Savior because I had been sentenced to death. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A. Here's the B, very central, actually very simple. Believe. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C, lastly, is for call upon the name of the Lord or confess with your mouth, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And finally, Romans 10.13 says, All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's pretty simple, right? It's just a tool, it's just a template that you can use. Well, I want to share with you today's But God testimony. It comes from Mary Knowles, who writes, A friend introduced me to your website, and I am so encouraged by the But God stories. I want to share one of our own. I have four children, and between them and myself, we have 40 diagnoses to manage. My children are vaccine-injured, so we did not even consider the C-jab 
Unfortunately, oh, pardon me. Additionally, our eldest, who is the most medically complex, is taking infusions that the doctors specifically said she cannot have any kind of vaccine while having. Likewise, we, as her caregivers, cannot have any immunizations and be around her. Last fall, she had a feeding tube placed after a diagnosis of gastroparesis. Unfortunately, we are no stranger to hospitals, and I have always been with her. She turned 18 in 2020, which meant I could not be her advocate because often they would not let me into the ER with her unless she was having a nonverbal episode. One of her diagnoses is high-functioning autism. In January, my daughter's feeding tube turned black, and she would get sick each time she ran her formula. She could not push her meds through. We left for her hospital, which is about three hours away from our rural community. We expected her to be admitted overnight and have her tube exchanged the next day, being discharged that same day, and then home again after a night in the hotel. Because she was to be admitted, they, of course, did a COVID test. She tested positive, asymptomatic. They took my daughter from me while we were in the ER and put her in an isolation room where she would stay until she tested negative, symptoms or not. Because I had been with her, they put me in a wheelchair and wheeled me out to the parking lot to my car. It was 4.45 a.m. when I pulled into a hotel parking lot, and my daughter called me to say that they wanted to give her medication in case she developed symptoms, but she felt the Holy Spirit tell her no, so she declined. She could not remember the name of the medication. I later found out it was remdesivir. I've since been told by nurses that some of them call it run, death is near. I knew about the dangers of that drug, but my daughter did not. I felt so helpless, not being able to advocate for her like I had every time she had been in the hospital since she was a little girl. But God was her advocate. Because she tested positive, they would not change out her feeding tube until she had a negative test. Because her feeding tube was defective, she was not getting any nutrition. She can still eat some foods orally, but it won't digest in hours. It takes days. She suffers from chronic nausea. They gave her food that tasted spoiled. The mashed potatoes were so hard it broke her spoon. I began calling her nurses at 4.30 a.m. every morning so that I could talk to someone and repeatedly ask what they could do to give her nutrition. Their hands were tied by protocol. They gave her fluids, but nothing else. My heart was broken because my daughter was starving in a hospital. The tests were backed up so that when they tested her on Monday, they didn't get the results until Friday. So there was a four to five day lag time every time. 
I beg God to sustain her like you sustained Elijah, 1 Kings 19.8, among many other prayers. As the days dragged on, I fought thoughts of planning her funeral. Her little brother began to talk about her in the past tense. But God sustained her. He sustained her for 15 days without feeds. When her test came back positive again on the 13th day, she had an autistic meltdown. One of the prayers my husband and I prayed was that God would send a believer to advocate for her. I don't know who it was, but someone advocated for her, pushed protocol aside. Well, I'm pretty sure they did because they tested her and got a result in one day instead of four or five. And on the 15th day, she finally tested negative. They replaced her tube the next day. I was in the car the moment she called to tell me she would have her procedure. I called her boyfriend, and his boss told him to drop everything and go with me to get her out of that hospital. I took her to the hospital January 18th for an overnight procedure. I brought her home February 4th. I had been tormented with and fighting thoughts of having to tell her siblings she wouldn't be coming home. I had nightmares of never seeing her again on this earth and planning her funeral. But God, instead of a funeral, God is giving us a wedding. She will be married in August to a wonderful young man who loves the Lord. We were mourning, but God gave us joy. Thank you for being a light in this darkness. Mary Knowles. Why don't you stand? We'll have Pastor Leitu come up. God, you're so good to us. Oh, it's been so good to us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I'm just going to end by a simple prayer of thanksgiving and a simple request for anyone who has never called upon you and does not know you, that today they would make the most important decision of their life for eternal life. And for anyone who's really hurting and struggling today, Lord, strengthen and encourage, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. 
That's J-D-F-A-R-A-G dot O-R-G. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If what Pastor J.D. shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward. Once again, our website is jdfarag.org. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Just scroll to the bottom and click on Calvary. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Thanks for listening in to the Prophecy Update for today. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. The Bible and its prophecies are not to be taken lightly. And so we'll keep digging in on In Spirit and Truth.